you have a program designed to do something specific and he won't give up until he fulfills that. No matter that. what. Exactly. So for me, it's not until that much of a Until you push abort, abort. And yeah, but he never <laughs> does that. <laughs> so you, you, you do control all the delete and then you do end task and then he'll stop loving his mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Three Ways from Sunday. Thank you for listening. As always, here's Gabby. I'm Laura. And I'm Mariana. On today's episode, we'll be discussing artificial intelligence and we'll be talking about the movies iRobot, AI, artificial intelligence, and Blade Runner. So I don't know how to start us off with this thing i guess i would like to know what what was your first experience with these movies if you want to start gabby oh okay well i watched a artificial intelligence in cinemas as a child uh i shouldn't have been there i wasn't i think this is a pg-13 movie and i think i was about eight years old like right now looking back on it i should not have been in there that was It marked me. It was the saddest thing I had ever watched. At the end, uh, spoiler alert, obviously, when he's pro- when he goes to sleep with his mom and they both fall asleep, I am sobbing, literally sobbing, and and like they have to like calm me down because that's how much it affected me, and I I hated it. Um, and I never again watched that film until like years later. And uh, so, yeah, that was my first experience with artificial intelligence <laughs> with, um, with Blade Runner. I watched it with my husband because he insisted he loves it. And what's the other one? I robot with that one. I watched it in cinemas as well. It was a, a blockbuster during a summer, I believe. And that one was a lot of fun. Uh, but I, oh, immediately forgot about it. Like, <laughs> not a memorable film in my mind. <laughs> those, those are my experiences. I think. The one I have watched already was iRobot. And I think I have watched it like a couple of times because it was always playing on television. So it was quite popular. And I always get traumatized, but something sad happens that we'll talk about later, I think. In iRobot? No. <laughs> I remember something sad. Oh, okay. Yes. But I don't remember exactly what. And the other two <laughs> I watched for the first time for this podcast because I think I have never watched Artificial Intelligence full, the, you know, the whole thing. And Blade Runner, I haven't done it either. I just read the book. Oh, I didn't know that. So, And how did you like them? Mm, I really like the aesthetics of Blade Runner. Like the whole 80s future thing going on. That's like, cool. I, I Cyberpunk. Really enjoy that. <laughs> yes. Cyberpunk. That was cool. I also read it was like noir, like new noir, you know, because it's like future, but uh, inspired in noir films. I enjoyed that. How about you, Ari? What? What were your experiences? My experience, I have the same experience as Gabby. She's my twin uh, with artificial intelligence. I was way too young to be watching it and it traumatized me. And I remember just sobbing in the movie theater. And I think, oh, you know what I remember? And that's where I learned that gigolos exist. Oh. I didn't know. Yes. I, we, I didn't know about no. prostitution. I didn't know what no prostitution idea. was until oh that with Jude Law. I didn't understand what was... That is true. Yeah. Because I was like, why? 
like who is he and of like course. What's yeah he doing? i was like what what is this interaction i have never witnessed that interaction and i have never in real life obviously but i did not understand what they were talking about like <laughs> sex was like obviously i had no idea about it i was like eight or something so we were just learning about Santa. We were I, just learning right. about Santa. And then oh, that's right. Jiggles. That was the year we found out that Santa <laughs> didn't exist because our grandma accidentally told us. Oh no! <laughs> that was like a yeah. important year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The loss of innocence. Yeah, in exactly. <laughs> in your film, that's the scene. <laughs> Two thousand one. <laughs> well, so I had the same experience. I remember solving, and I, I remember. I think this is literally the first movie that I remember having like an emotional impact on me, like a huge emotional, there was like a turmoil inside me. So yeah, that was intense. Um, Blade Runner, I watched maybe in college, I think for some film class or something. So if I watched it in a very like, Oh, I have to dissect this movie. I have to like understand the plot points and the themes and stuff. So it was very. I don't think it was enjoyable. Like, I didn't sit down and, like, relax watching it. So I had to watch it, like, yeah, yeah critically. Like and Gabby doesn't like it. <laughs> and I, Robot, I watched it, I think, in theaters, too. Oh, yeah, I hate Blade Runner. Yeah, Gabby doesn't like Blade Runner. <laughs> um, and I, Robot, was just, like, this great popcorn blockbuster that I had a lot of fun watching. And I subsequently watched many times because it's just, like, a really fun movie. And I want to talk a little bit about this episode was I push for this episode because I love science fiction so much. I just think science fiction is what is a way to discuss themes and discuss some plots that might be difficult if you talk them literally. And we are, of course, we're going to be discussing what robots mean for these movies and how they're used narratively and thematically. But science fiction in general, I just love how it allows you to explore subjects in a different way or like a more imaginative way or like not directly addressing them, but like some other way. And I just I like finding those themes and those real life um, subjects that they're speaking about. And I just really enjoy it. I think when you, as a filmmaker, are about to approach a movie that includes robots and in particular are robots with artificial intelligence, then I think you have two routes before you. One is what I would call the fear mongering route. Yeah. That you are trying to warn people. Like, Skynet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like technology is will be the ruin of humanity. We will lose ourselves, or perhaps be dominated by it and become a, a, their its slave. The and then the other route, I think, is when you yeah, the Matrix exactly. And the other route, I think, would be when you look at technology as men's achievements, like and 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 geniality, and how much we not only went to the moon. Now we've created life. We are closer to, to God or to creation. I, either way, I think that one eventually goes into a warning. Like men shouldn't try to become God. Like, you shouldn't be playing God, <laughs> but it's not like, it's not about, uh, the fear mongering, which is like warning, warning. It's more like, um, 
warning, don't become Icarus and and fly too close to the sun. I think those these movies are about man's hubris. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think so self-achieving that that mm, I don't know. Now I'm confusing myself, but definitely I feel like there's one that's on the nose. Be afraid of technology now. Social media will kill you and end you. And there's <laughs> another one that's like, hey, how far are you willing to push and what that will cost you? So I'll leave it up. Think, I think it's that same question of just because we can, like, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe if we can clone dinosaurs, maybe, but we shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you are into something with hubris because in Greek, it comes from Greek tragedies and hubris is when the hero kind of exceeds its boundaries, you know? So it's a constant reminder to don't go beyond what you have. I totally knew that. <laughs> so it's like Ari said, like just because you can clone things doesn't mean <laughs> you have to do it. And there's ethics involved and all that. So if we're going to go along to map I've created, where would you classify each of the films? I robot. I think it's a little bit of both because there's definitely the fear mongering with this, you know, supercomputer named Vicky. Cause she, she literally in her own undeniable logic, she, <laughs> that she needs to protect humanity from themselves and she's willing to sacrifice human lives in order to achieve that. Um, but then there's Sunny and Sunny is this new type of robot. He's allowed to have feelings and show emotions and he's allowed to bypass the three laws of robotics. He's kind of very sweet and very empathetic. So I guess. I guess it can, it's a little bit of both. How about Blade Runner? I think it goes more into the fear mongery because all the androids we see in the film are kind of evil and trying to, you know, run away doing crime and <laughs> escaping. I think in the way they're presented, they are kind of a threat, <laughs> even though the androids have ex an excuse to, you know, be rebelling and not wanting to serve humanity. I think they are very sympathetic. I don't, I wouldn't say sympathetic, but I would say they have a motivation, you know, further than just killing and being evil. You know, they do have like their own agenda. I wouldn't use sympathy or empathy. I think she means sympathetic in the sense that they evoke, uh, you can understand it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They evoke <laughs> sympathy because they're created to be slaves all their lives and they have, they only live for four, is it right? Four years. Mm -hmm. They only live for four years. So they're literally, you know, in a fight of, to, of survival. Um, and they, well, especially the replicants, the main replicants in this movie, they want, um, a longer life. They're, they're literally come to, to ask their creator to give them more time to live. And I think that's such a relatable thing. We, we all want to live. We all want a little more time. So I think that's very relatable to me and very human too. That's true. But then when you put them in contrast with Decker, who's the main character, Harrison Ford, then he's clearly the good guy who's trying to hunt the androids, you know? So when you put that in contrast in the whole narrative of the film, you're supposed to not sympathize that much with the androids. You're supposed to want them, you know, most of them at least, like destroyed, as he's trying to do. Then what do you think about that last scene with Roy and that he saves his life? I agree. I'm Okay, I have to say that I'm a bit conflicted because I have read the book Do Androids Dream with Electric Chip? And <laughs> the book has like a, such a complete different understanding of the androids, which in the film are the replicants. 
and of the um, the conflict with the main character in what way well in the book the androids are very much not empathetic at all you know there's not an inch of i will try to save they you. don't have redeemable qualities not at all no they are all like androids that lack feelings and emotions machines Mm-hmm. But very close physically to human beings and intellectually to human beings, which is one of the, I think Blade Runner does touches on that subject, you know, they do show that there's an empathy test that you have to pass to differentiate between androids and humans. So that part is true. Like they are very similar to human beings in that aspect, but in the book, they are not at all even close <laughs> to, you know, compassion and what you said, like, for example, Roy saving Decker, that doesn't happen. So I don't know very well what was the point in the film to try to change that. I don't know if they wanted to change also the narrative of, oh, so Andres can also be kind of kind and nice. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think um, especially that last monologue by Roy, when he talks about memories, when he talks about all the things he's seen and then they will be gone. Because he will die and, and his memories will become like tears in the rain. I just feel like, at least in the movie, I haven't read the book. In the movie, like that feeling of wanting to live more or like fearing your death is what makes them human. What makes them at least more human because we're all afraid to die. And they are literally fearing for their lives. And I don't know about him saving his life but i i think it shows that he that he could change that he could maybe you know save him and and help him and that was literally like his last action because he dies right after so i don't know i think i think it's kind of mm-hmm. like to see the gray areas you know he he, he could he he's more human than we might think That's true. I do think that Ridley Scott, you know, the director of the film, tried to blur the lines more, like what you mean, like between androids and humans, because I've also read that there's a lot of theories and that Ridley Scott has also hinted to these theories that, for example, Richard Decker is also an android. You know, some fans have said he's a replicant. Exactly. And he has very much like play with that idea, <laughs> but that's not at all what happens in the book. The director, Ridley Scott, has confirmed that Decker is a replicant. But Harrison Ford has denied it, so I think there's like a conflict there. But the director has said that he is a replicant. But I think it yeah. has more to do with the version of the movie that you saw. Which version did you see? Did you see? Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there are like seven versions of the film. I think I saw the director Scott. The one that they released on 2007. That's the movie that actually has the most clues about Decker being a replicant. That's, and that's apparently the definitive cut of that movie. Because, well, I don't know if you want to get into that, but, but because he has, um, dreams of a unicorn. Yes. And then he sees yeah, exactly. the little, what, how do you say, origami unicorn. So th- that might mean that his memories are implanted. So he's a replicant. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I that's think true. he is a replicant. <laughs> and I think that's why Roy saves him, actually. <laughs> that would make more sense. And that would also make more sense within Harrison Ford's character, like the way he plays Richard. But Lee. Harrison played it so. like, I'm not a replicant. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe just Harrison Ford, like his expressions, yeah, like yeah. his emotional range. <laughs> 
I think there's there are some positive tones in artificial intelligence that that robots can help people in need. For example, this couple that's right now childless because their child is in some sort of intubation chamber or something. And now they have a child to love. That he was frozen, the kid from Lizzie McGuire? <laughs> that was the kid from Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. I don't know something his name. Like oh my the god. The kid from yes. Lizzie McGuire. But he, he looks so the, familiar. The in I was immediately, Definitely. oh my god, that's the kid that's little, you know, Lizzie McGuire's brother. No, I was like, that's the, the yeah, that's uh, Hillary Duff's little brother. <laughs> basically. Um, anyways. But I do think that, and at the end, you know, the what I thought were aliens, by the way, I always thought at the end aliens appeared, but turns out these are um, new mecha that have evolved. What? Wait, what? They're not <laughs> That's aliens? News for me. I thought they were aliens. I thought they were aliens. <laughs> They're not aliens. They're mecha. And, mm. and they explain, like, the one of the mecha says it out loud. Like that, we have evolved from the mecha that humans designed. Whoa! Oh I God. thought they were aliens. And that's why they can touch. They touch the child, and they can see its memories uh, because they themselves are machines too. Oh, you're so mean! You refer to him as it. It's a robot. <laughs> oh, but it's a. But that's the whole point. That he's an it. You know, it's he a wants robot. to become. Aww. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to become a real boy, but he can't. That's the whole point he, of the film. The robot itself knows it exactly. <laughs> It knows it. I know it. It's a robot. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so I do feel there's this like like artificial intelligence can be the peak of human geniality and and it can be something positive and a legacy that we leave behind. But I don't know because there's this whole faction of people that hate robots and they're like against the mecha and yeah. pro orga orga is organic or something and they destroy robots as if it were like a monster truck show something of the sort i know like freaking burning man or something yeah something like that yeah uh so it also has this um little bits of, of fear mongering like look where technology will divide us and it will factionalize society like in a way that so many other things in the States are sectionalized like that. I like that bit that Jude Law's character says that they fear us because when all this ends, we are going to be what's left and they're going to be gone. Which is the opposite of Blade Runner where they their expiration date is, is so near in the future. But here they know that they can outlast and the humans know that as well. So, yeah, I think a little bit of both. I just wanted to mention that the Blue Fairy character, uh, the voice, is Meryl Streep. Oh, really? Wow. I just found that voice so comforting that I had to look it up. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> By the way, it was, I don't know why, but the, there was the voice of Dr. No, the one that he goes to ask questions. It sounded like Robin Williams. That was Robin Williams. Oh. What? Okay, I was like, this sounds like Robin Williams. Oh that God. was Robin Williams. It was. And the voice of the, what I thought were aliens, uh, is Ben Kingsley. Ooh, nice. Oh, wow. That now I know they're not aliens. I, I thought they were aliens. I'm, so, I'm like so confused. I now. always thought they were aliens. Uh, you know, like explorer, explorer aliens that do like 
paleontology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And anthropology aliens that were like searching yeah, for. I always oh, that what one. were these things called humans? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I wanted to talk. I, I found this like curious or something. There's this like storybook uh, theme with artificial intelligence with the story of Pinocchio, obviously. And there's there's a, also a storybook theme in iRobot with Hansel and Gretel, which I thought was like, oh, this both of these movies are using children's books to like I don't know like thematically join their. But it's not the uh, being a fairy tale like was at, at the core of artificial intelligence because you have a kid on a quest to get back home and become real. And he meets like a companion and then he meets a wizard that's going to tell him go to the blue fairy and he has to, you know, it's a whole journey, a quest. So definitely it's hard at the heart of the story for it to be fairy tale like, in my opinion. But I don't know. I wrote, but well, I think it was just like a reference that Spooner needed to gather up all the clues. I think I robot it's like, uh, a nice who done it. Definitely a detective yeah, with story. A good twist. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I enjoy that all the clues are there. Like, you know that the robots are doing the uplink thing when they have the red chest. So they're like communicating with the main company. And you also know at the beginning of the movie, they explain that Vicky controls traffic exactly. in the city and that she has reduced, you Fatality. know, death or like traffic accidents by 9%. So. You already know, oh, okay, this, like, the clues are laid out there, like, so you, you can tell that it's Vicky behind the whole thing. Yes. Um, the voice of Sonny, the robot, is by Alan Tudyk. Ooh, nice. I thought, I, I, he was unrecognizable to me. I love that guy. He has so much, so much work. Well, without his accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, I saw this video of him doing the chicken for Moana. I'm saying, like, I went to Juilliard. <laughs> okay. I like his voice. His robot voice is very good. The, let's get into it, right? Like, why are robots used in these movies? Like, what do they mean? What do they represent? What do they stand for? Well, in artificial intelligence, the robots are in place for a marginalized society i think or marginal marginalized group because they take care of every single activity that humans do not want to do anymore from babysitting to prostitution you know cleaning all of those things so then they are hated and i think that's very true in our real world with only humans so it's a way as you said earlier to explore uh, heavy subjects of of discrimination through then maybe a lighter lens, which is um, a machine, a robot. All of them didn't have like actual feelings, in my opinion. This also has to do with directing. I mean, if you direct the actors to act stiff, then that's what it feels like, that they're actually robots. But the child, I think there was an attempt to get him to seem more more lifelike but it didn't work for me <laughs> because i know i said that i cried my heart out when i watched it as a child but now that i watched it i'm nearing 30 now 
Yeah, I was like, this child is annoying. This is so annoying. <laughs> he was so obsessive, like in a creepy way. Yeah, it was very creepy. It was very creepy. It almost felt like one of those creepy men that go after women and they <laughs> yes. get rejected, but they can't take no for an answer. But it was his mom. It wasn't a girl. It was his mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was even more weird. And to me, it was so unrelatable because I know they were the scientist was trying to recreate love, but with love comes when you love something, other thing, other feelings, you know, creep in, such as disappointment, resentment, uh, hatred, and and the kid, all the only thing he could feel was possessiveness, obsession, and obsessive, yeah, obsession over this woman, uh, and then she is clearly telling him run. Run through the woods and don't come back. And he's, he doesn't feel any ill feeling towards her. Now she's even more of a godlike thing in his life that he needs to reach and, 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 you know, do this whole quest for. And I'm like, why isn't he disappointed? Why isn't he heartbroken? Why isn't, it's, it's, a, it's very basic feelings of love. I don't know if like the idea was that his love is pure and unrelentless and, forever that's how i saw it like the pure love of a son for his mother i think at least i think that's what the movie was trying to represent like this child's love is so pure that he will will stop at nothing for the love of his mom Uh, that's how i feel it but i do get that the kid was creepy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i kind of agree with gabby here because i also think Love is a much more complex emotion than what they tried to paint in the film. And I don't know if that's like a short vision of Steven Spielberg or because I feel (laughs) if he would have seen further than that, there would have been like more criticism. Like it, it could have been more nuanced. But again, I only saw his obsession. And as Gabby said, like with love, there's a lot of feelings that come with, uh, rejection or with abandonment, and that was never in him. It was just like this, almost like a robot program to love a person, like to stand in a weird way, (laughs) like to follow his mom forever. So yeah, I also couldn't empathize a lot with him. Sorry, Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) When I try to picture like, why this choice? Why make this child this way? I know that perhaps they wanted us to root for him, like he's on this quest and we're along for the ride with him and we root for him. But we all know that he will never become a real child. Yeah, it's an illusion. So I don't even know what I'm rooting for. And then the other option would be that he gets what's, what he wants, which is to return home. But that home was so toxic. And the other kid so very much did not want him there. The father didn't either. So it's like, if he gets that dream, it's also very uh, a very ill environment for him. Uh, toxic and uh, bad, just plain bad. So I was like, what am I rooting for yeah. here? But Gabby, I think that the pointlessness of his quest is what makes him more human in a way. Because we know that it's a dream. He has a dream, you know? He, it, mm. his dream is to go back to his mom even though we know it's impossible but I feel like his his ability to dream like that 
makes them more human. But but for me, that we go back to... It's human to give up as well. Exactly. For me, we go back to programming. <laughs> oh, and for so me, mean. that was very robot. You know, like you have a program designed to do something specific. And he won't give up until he fulfills that. No matter that. what. Exactly. So for me, it's not until that much of a dream. Until you abort. Abort. And yeah, but he never <laughs> does that. So you, you, you do control all the delete and then you do end task and then he'll stop loving his mom. <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't know. For me, I think Steven Spielberg got a little bit lost Because that's part of why I felt it so long. Like the movie was so long and it has oh, so yeah, many the branches long. that I think he could have just like chose one. And instead he went to the seven branches that his brain went to. And he was like, why is this never ending? I'm But let's me. also get into that. Like, let's get into that because this film was originally Stanley Kubrick's film. And yes, so Stanley, Mr. Kubrick, I don't know how to call him. He had some ideas. He had a, a storyboard. He had yeah. he had written a, a lot of this. He had uh, hired writers to, to write a lot of the script. And then Steven comes in and he adds the whole uh, monster truck uh, with the mecha thing. Uh, so I, you do see, like, there's no... The two <laughs> sensibilities. Yeah, the two sensibilities. Yeah, <laughs> you do see both of them. Which actually, apparently, it's, it's kind of funny. Apparently, Steven was criticized for adding all the the melodramatic, uh, sweet stuff. Uh, he, and, and he would explain to people that that's Stanley's. That's, I added the mechas getting killed stuff. I added the, I added the hardcore stuff. That's, so, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Stanley wrote the whole last 20 minutes of the kid with the mom and the aliens. The, I mean, no, really? not aliens. Yeah, apparently that was Stanley Kubrick. But Stanley gave it to... This is the same Stanley Kubrick that made 2001 Odyssey to Space. Yes. They, so yes. That's a super space like, random at points. Like, really? Yeah, and, yep. and apparently Kubrick gave the film to, to Steven Spielberg saying, this is more suited to your sensibility <laughs> than mine. So, <laughs> anyways... Um, that's, that's, I was trying to answer the question of what do AIs represent in the world? They represent uh, a marginalized society, but they also group, uh, they also represent human dreams. Um, if you try to get on with the film's themes, like Ariana said, but if you are a bit, a bit skeptic, like me and Laura, it's more like, it's more like, We're happy you tried, but yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm, I think in Blade Runner, the androids, the replicants, as they are called, are also kind of workforce. Like, they're also designed to serve humanity in a certain way. And then... As slaves, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think they also, like, thinking back to his creator, you know, the guy Tyrell, I think it also plays with the idea of the hoovers that we were talking before. Like, I think for him, it's also kind of an experiment of how close can I get to replicating human beings. To God. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm projecting from the book, but <laughs> that's, that's a lot of what I You probably I are. From the book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it's kind of underneath, okay? There's a lot of things underneath. <laughs> that I feel, <laughs> do you remember when we talk about Satoshi Kon that we discussed how adaptations from Satoshi Kon films into Western culture, like kind of miss the point into the topics, you know, the deep. Uh, the substance, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel a lot happens here in Blade Runner with the book. Like, <laughs> they were trying to replicate the whole idea of artificial intelligence and the androids and someone hunting them. But they read this code kind of misses the point of the substance behind and the actual criticism the author is making. But that's a discussion for another podcast. You're not going to say? You went to all this preamble oh, and you're not going to say? I don't know if it's going to be too long, but <laughs> I have a lot of opinions. So. But like, that's what this is about. Okay, okay. I, I'll try to be brief. Okay. There's this thing in the book that is very important that is completely missing in the film. And it's the relationship of human beings with animals. Because in the book, oh yeah, most animals are extinct, you know, because of the yeah, yeah, yeah. the environment. And they because make artificial animals. Planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And they make artificial animals. And artificial animals are, and real animals are linked to status in this world. Because the highest status you have, the best real animal you have. Like, for example, if you have a horse, you're like, oh my God, the best in the world. Because it's almost impossible to get a real animal. Your relationship to taking care of an animal proves that you have empathy and that you're a human being that can care for another being, you know? That's why animals are so important. And the whole discussion of the author of the book is more regarding empathy between human beings, taking care of each other, um, something that robots can never do. And I don't know, I think that's really missing in Blade Runner because it's more like, will this guy get the androids or not? Okay, are the androids... Uh, like we talked about before, like compassionate and do they care? I think that's something that's completely like different from the book. Missing. Yeah. I had no idea of any of that. Oh, but I, I hate Blade Runner, by the way. I don't like Oh, it. I wanted to ask you. I think it's one of the. Your opinion about it. Yeah. Please. I think it's one of the most boring films I've ever watched in my entire <laughs> it's life. It's very slow. more than I hate. Than being it bored. is very slow. I hate it. It didn't do well in the it. box office. Do you guys know? Do you guys know that it didn't do well? I bet. Like people thought it was too slow like, paced for an action movie. Yeah, but it becomes a cult film. Like after it, it became it, a cult film when it came out in VHS because it rewards repeated viewings. I think you get something out of it every time you watch that's it. That's true. Yeah, I have at least. I have. Well, I can totally tell that that movie wasn't going to get a good uh, word of mouth. Well, it didn't do terribly, but it, it barely made the original budget of the movie. So with iRobot, I feel like robots are very much um, slaves. They are tied to this all the service jobs that that people don't want to do. They're like butlers, assistants. And there's the whole thing about, oh, a new model comes out and then we like store the older models and we don't care about them. And they're like in prison and we don't, we don't give them a second thought. So they're very much a second class citizen. So I think they definitely represent a marginalized group. And I think especially because the main character is played by Will Smith, who's a black man. Um, I think it kind of, I don't know. There's kind of layers to it because, you know, there's race too. But I don't know what to say about that. But then there's the whole fact that Spooner, Will Smith's character, is the only one that is prejudiced against robots because the rest of society views them as just these objects and they don't do any harm. They've never committed a crime because they're just programmed to do whatever you want them to do. But Spooner has this whole tragic backstory that made him prejudiced against robots. 
there's a difference here to point out, and that is like these robots do not have artificial intelligence. Yes, they do not. They do not. They definitely don't. But then in comes uh, Sunny, and Sunny has emotions and he displays anger and he loved his father, the creator. Then what was his name? Dr. Lanning. He loves Dr. Lanning and, and he, he makes at the end of the movie, he makes, you know, that ultimate choice that Will Smith's character was gripping with and is that robots do not think emotionally. They think logically. And by the end of the movie, Sonny saves Calvin and he makes an emotional choice to save Calvin. So I don't know what that says. It may be that because then Sonny becomes kind of goes out to like rescue the other robots. So maybe that's like he's going to lead some sort of revolution. I don't know. And then there's Vicky and Vicky is basically pure artificial intelligence. And Vicky is, has gone crazy. She went off the deep end and she wants to, you know, enslave humanity. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> um, I also like the fact that there's another layer of baby confusion. And it's the fact that Spooner doesn't like robots, but he's kind of a half robot himself because he lost his entire arm and part of his leg and stuff. So he's part robot too. He's made of robotic parts. So that's also like maybe kind of looking into that prejudice that you have against yourself or things you hate about yourself and maybe you're projecting onto others. I don't know if maybe there's some themes about that. But it didn't seem like he hated that part of himself. It just, it seemed, it was actually very useful. But he was always hiding it. We never, we don't find out that he has a robotic arm until he's attacked by this robot and he loses his gun and, and he uses his arm. But he's always yeah, hiding right. that he has it. But I do think there's a mixed message when you have the character hate it or not talk about it, but then it becomes his best asset, right? With that arm, he's able to punch the robots and he's able to then save humanity uh, by puncturing Vicky with the nanites and whatever. And the arm, he uses the arm to... Uh, yeah, uh, go down. Himself onto... Yeah. Exactly. Go down this I don't even know how to explain thing. it. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen, if you've seen the movie, then you know. He uses his arm to, like, get to Vicky. But what I find more, more interesting about iRobot is to talk about the three laws. Yes, let's talk about the three laws. Yes. Okay, the three laws of robotics by Isaac Asimov. The first one, a robot cannot hurt a human being. Or by inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. The second one is a, a robot must uh, obey. Obey a human's command unless it contradicts law number one. And the third law is that a robot can defend himself unless it conflicts with number with laws number one and two. Yeah. What do you guys think? <laughs> I always thought that that seemed self-contained and that seemed to make sense. Like a human wouldn't be able to order a robot. And it was almost like a loop, right? Yeah, it's a loop. Like a loop. Yeah, it's a little loop. But, uh, you know, a human can order or can command a robot to, to kill someone else, another human. A robot cannot watch someone come to harm and then just stay still completely. They have to always act because robots are just materials. Human life is always going to be more important. So even my robot that I use as a butler is going to go away from me and save someone. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> if someone's drowning. Yeah, like Will Smith's character. But then what happens in the movie is that Vicky, the, the artificial intelligence uh, interface, she takes those three laws and comes to a, an undeniable conclusion. And it's that human beings hurt themselves all the time. <laughs> so basically we need to uh, instate uh, an auto like like what, a, a dictatorship? Like a tyranny yeah. in the world and keep humans from from harming each other? I wonder how that society was going to work out, according to Vicky. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Like, you may now em- 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 go out from your home and go to the grocery shop. <laughs> and there's also the fact that she talks about um, that we toxify our air and water and like our environment. So, I don't know how is she going to work that out. Yeah, I wonder how she was going to stop that. Uh, I mean, I think Vicky's plan was very much in, in the early stages. So. <laughs> Phase one. <laughs> Phase one. Keep, them, keep them contained. <laughs> keep them contained and kill everybody that, that, that tries to go against me. Phase two. I'm still working on it. <laughs> TBD. TBD. No, TBA yeah. <laughs> to be announced. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. TBD is to be determined. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. I thought I got them confused. <laughs> I think there's a lot of ethics that play into this discussion and into, you know, humanity in general. <laughs> because these kind of conclusions that robots get to are kind of mm, conclusions we haven't get to, you know? Like, like what she means that. Often human beings hurt themselves and that's part of like a field of ethics that is also determined in like it's still in discussion just <laughs> to be determined as well. And I think it, like when we are talking about artificial intelligence, it's something that we have to, you know, have in mind as well, you know, the ethics behind them. I also want to maybe get into a little, a little bit about how, how artificial intelligence like contrasts what it means to be human. What is humanity? If we can create a being that can feel emotions or like can simulate like human intelligence, then what, what does that mean about being human? What do you think, Gabby? If we, if we could create that, that means that human beings are replicable and then you go into like a, a talk about creation and and what do you owe to your creation yeah it's very it goes very out there in my opinion <laughs> I have to talk about it <laughs> i think i think about that scene when spooner is interrogating sunny and he says that a robot can't write a masterpiece like or they can't, you know, paint a masterpiece, sorry, or write a symphony. And then Sonny says, can you? <laughs> Burn. <laughs> like- <laughs> and, and Will Smith literally has no response to that. <laughs> no, because not everybody can. And But then what does it mean to be human if you're not doing those incredibly, in, like, amazing masterpieces or, like, working on incredibly high art? I think it comes down to emotions. I, in in my mind, it comes down to emotions and and maybe like your identity, your memories, or experiences. I don't 
know how you see that. Yeah, I think artificial intelligence discussions often goes to the same, to what you have just talked about. You know, art, creativity, uh, emotions, empathy. You know, I think that's always the hardest part to replicate. But also, like, it just made me think, like, that's just a personal, like... <laughs> discussion for myself like why do we want to replicate this you know like why do we want something that's so unique to ourselves in like an artificial being like i don't know i think that's part of the issues in some of these films for example in blade runner they are getting so close to having um an android that is like a human being that they start destroying them because it's like wait maybe we don't want that like And that's why we have to keep differentiating between empathy. And for example, in Blade Runner, empathy is a big human trait that it's hard to replicate. And that's why they have the test, the void camp. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think, I, I think to, to have, um, a media that, that portrays uh, artificial intelligence, robots, human-like, uh, entities that are created by humans, then, you ask that question, then what does it mean to be human? And you have in iRobot, apparently they take the route that being able to make your own decisions and discern uh, from good and evil gets you closer to being human. Like Sonny, Sonny was able to do that. He could, he could distinguish. Uh, and in Blade Runner, you have empathy. Empathy makes you human in, in artificial intelligence, love makes you human uh, in in the Blade Runner memories make you human as well and also the peril of possibly dying that that fear also makes you human so I don't know what being human is but I do think that I'm reminded of Bicentennial Men yeah uh, that you have Robin Williams' character wanting to be acknowledged as a human being, and they tell him, but you don't grow old. So he starts making himself grow old. You don't, you don't go through pain. Then he starts making himself being able to feel pain, but you don't die, they tell him. And, and so then he makes himself die. And did that make was he able to reach humanity? In that world, he was declared a human being, uh, the oldest one so far, the best centennial man. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I would like to think that there is something else, and, not, and like an X factor that I would like to think that we are not replicable. The uh, sum of our parts. That the, yeah, somehow there is something in us that, that humans themselves will never be able to replicate through technology why because i would like to think of myself as special and <laughs> stuff like that uh, and because it's just really scary to think that somebody could replicate humanity uh <laughs> that is incredibly scary like just thinking about that that's wow but seeing it from an objective point of view perhaps we are the sum of our parts perhaps we are flesh and bone and a neurons i don't know whoa <laughs> <laughs> that went dark <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of this episode <laughs> no I think the end should be Bicentennial Man you know because it's a very wholesome film and you're right like it's one of the films that get closer to what is what means to be a human and 
how can you become one without the negatives, you know, without that meaning he's going to become a murderer. <laughs> so I nice. think the fact that that there's a word I'm looking for, I don't like like the fact that we all die. Mortality? Well, is yeah, mortality. Word? Yeah, that's the word. Okay, so I think like human mortality, you know, the fear of mortality is something that connects, you know, all these themes. And obviously, I think that's because being afraid of dying is part of the human experience. It's part of what drives a lot of our actions. Is part of what why we have progeny. So That's, I don't know. I don't know. I think that you're <laughs> right. You you're, you're onto something. I think there is like something humanity about the fear of dying, but there is also something humanity about going past that and living, and that goes back like to Greece, you know, and to Latin. You know, there's this saying "memento mori," which is "remember you're going to die." And but there's also carpe diem, which goes along with that, which is like live today as if there's no tomorrow. And the idea from the past times was to you always think in both at the same time, you know, it's not only you're going to die and you have to be afraid of it, but also you are living right now and you have remember to remember to live. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think those goes along. But yeah, that's a very human experience. I don't know if you can implant that in a robot. <laughs> I don't know if we've reached a conclusion, but I like I like the talking. I like what we discussed. <laughs> I think I think I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I love science fiction, and I hope we can do more episodes about science fiction stuff. Like I don't know, maybe not time travel. I don't know. I love time travel. <laughs> I guess this concludes our episode. You were listening to Three Ways from Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, I'm Mariana. I'm Laura. Here's Gabby. Please join us next week um, for a new episode. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as at Three Way Sunday, the three the number. And you can also write us at Three Way Sunday, three the number, at gmail.com. You can ask us questions or suggest a topic you would like us to discuss. And please rate us. It takes but a few seconds and it means a lot to the podcast. Thank you so much. See you next time. Goodbye.